But Matthew chapter 24. Amen. I've been thinking about this topic and studying it, you know, about the end. The end. Verse 3. As he sat upon a mount of olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Amen. Brother Nick, would you pray for us? Father, Lord God, be with us, Lord, today. Open up your Lord, yes, Lord, God. Tonight, Lord, uh, yes. Today, Lord. And I pray, Lord, bless the preaching, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. He says in verse 13, And he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. That's not the end of your life. That's the end of the tribulation. The end is a specific period of time. Amen. And that's what we want to emphasize. That uh, just a refresher up here real quick. That Christ was cut off at the end of the 69th week. Right? Right. Amen. And he was cut off at the end of the 69th week. There's a prophecy of Daniel's 70th weeks. And Daniel's 70th week covers this period of time right here. Amen. And we, we could just put up here again uh, the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Amen. Now, what uh, period of time is this called according to Jeremiah 30 verse 7? It's time of Jacob's trouble. Not the church's trouble. It's time of Jacob's trouble. And so we see that God's going to wind up dealing with Israel. And one thing people don't want to see is they don't want to see God working a timeline anywhere they don't believe that. You say, why? Because they don't know how to rightly divide the word of truth. They don't believe the word of truth. And they want to mix it all up and fumble it all up. And all we're trying to do is make some genuine distinctions, amen, some genuine divisions in the word of God and try to help you understand the word of God. There are divisions, amen. And the whole problem that everybody runs into when it comes into divisions is how to rightly divide and where to draw the lines, Amen. There's got to be a distinct line. There was a nation of Israel, was there? Mm -hmm. There is a nation of Israel, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> you understand? When did that nation of Israel begin? No. That's when she became a, a known, recognized state again. But when did she begin? Abraham. She began in Abraham's bosom. Or not Abraham. I mean, with Abraham, right? He's the original Hebrew. God called out a man in Acts or Genesis chapter 12, didn't he? And he said, I'll bless thee. I'll bless them to bless thee, curse them to curse thee. And he said he'd make a mighty nation. Told him, amen, that, that he would be a, a father of many nations. Did he or did he not? Yeah. And then he gave him a seed. He gave him a seed, which was Isaac. And, and he tried to have Ishmael become a seed. You understand? He got in the flesh. And then God said, no, not, it's going to be Isaac. And then from Isaac, you go to Jacob. And Jacob has 12 patriarchs. And then that's where the nation of Israel kicks off and goes. you got 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, right? And when you understand, when you're back through here, the law ends here. The law ends with John and technically it ends at Calvary too. Amen. The Old Testament ends there, right? Right. Right. Where's the Old Testament end? At the death of a testator, right? Hebrews chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 27, 50. So from, from, from uh, Mount Sinai all the way through, you got the Old Testament law. But before then, you got some things that happened before then. And Abraham is before then, right? Noah's before then. 
right? Cain and Abel's before then. You got, you got a period of time. You got things and events that happen in your Bible before the giving of the law. That's pre-Old Testament. Old Testament, there's a covenant that God established with the nation of Israel. You understand? And people got to make those distinctions. If you don't make those distinctions when you're studying the Bible, you're in trouble. You got to understand. And you can't take a promise that was given to somebody back in the Old Testament and apply it to us unless it has a dual application and the Apostle Paul reveals that to us. Amen? Who's the Apostle during the church age? I just kept it. Paul. Paul's the main apostle of the church. He wrote seven seven books to churches, didn't he? He wrote thirteen books that apply to the church age. Right. Right. The church starts over here in Acts chapter number two, and Peter's preaching, but he's preaching Israel in the tribulation period in Daniel's seventh week. Three thousand get saved in the book of Acts, and God allows them to be put in the body, which is going to be the church, Jew and Gentile, one body. But that's a portion, a part of the nation of Israel. He did not save the nation of Israel in Acts chapter number 2. But those who got saved in Acts chapter number 2 began to form a new body. I mean, you all look at me like I'm crazy. You all awake, sleep, you understand? Did 3,000 people got saved when? Let's go to Acts 2. You all looking at me like I'm crazy. Acts chapter number 2. Verse 41, And they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day they were added unto who? Them, the 120. So you got 3,120 people right there that's, that's forming a new body that's of the nation of Israel, but not the nation of Israel. You understand? They formed a new body. God started with 12 where? He started in Matthew chapter number 10 when he called out his 12 disciples. You understand? He called out 12. And then when you get to Acts chapter number 1, you got 120 disciples up in an upper room, right? That are believing God and trusting the Lord, but they're not being baptized by the Holy Ghost into a new body, which is Christ. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, 13, you got to be baptized by the Holy Ghost into Christ. Baptized by the Spirit, right? Y'all with me? Am I, do I got to retread all this again? Amen. But these people, amen, were sitting there waiting. What did Jesus tell Peter in Luke 22, verse 30, 31, and 32? He said, when thou art converted. You mean a man's been serving Jesus Christ for three years? He's got the apostolic gifts and signs and wonders. He's not converted. Men don't know how to explain that. They're not baptized by the Holy Ghost into a body because Christ is the firstborn of the Spirit. Amen? It has to wait till after the resurrection. And then the Spirit of God descends upon them. Amen? Gives them power to be able to preach. And they hear them in their own tongues. And there was added unto them 3,000 people that trusted and believed their message. But that's not the nation of Israel. That's a part of the nation of Israel. And he was attempting to try to receive Israel. And in Acts chapter number 7, they reject the ministry of the Holy Ghost by the stoning of Stephen. So that remnant, that group of people that believed and that trusted the Lord, he began to start the church with them. And the nation of Israel as a whole, he put on a shelf. And since then, 
Acts 8, a Gentile gets saved. Amen? How? The substitutionary death atonement of Jesus Christ, a Hamite. Acts 9, a minister to the Gentiles gets saved. How? By trusting Jesus Christ. Right? Acts 10, Gentiles get saved. And Peter said the Holy Ghost came on them as he did at us at the beginning. Acts chapter number 2. You understand? And therefore a body starts and a church starts. And when you get to Acts chapter number 15, they have a war. You say, what do you mean a war? They all come together and have a meeting. Amen. And they go up and try to solve some issues about this Jew and Gentile thing. And they get up in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some said you got to be circumcised to be saved. And they said, no, 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 we're not dealing with that. They're saying you got to have works for salvation. You get to Acts 15, 5. They say, no, you're saved by grace, but you got to do something to stay saved. And they said, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. And there was much disputing. There was great contention up there. And they had an argument. Amen. And blood was coming out under the doors. Amen. A bunch of people trying to solve the problem. And Peter stands up and said, Hey, <laughs> I got something to tell you. They're saved by faith through grace. Amen. I'm just a cliff paraphrase. I'll, I'll just read it to you exactly the way he said it. Acts 15. Acts chapter number 15. Verse 8. And God, knowing their hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the naked disciples? Amen. Which we neither neither our fathers nor we are able to bear. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Amen. There's a statement. There's a change. Everything's changing. There's a transition. You're going from Old Testament to New Testament. You're going from Israel to the church. Amen. You're going from Peter being the head apostle to wind up Paul being the head apostle. You're going from signs and wonders and gifts and miracles, amen, to Paul and the Word of God. The whole book of Acts is a transition period, how God's changing. You're going from Jerusalem to Antioch, Syria, being the headquarters for the church. There's a transition period period. People don't see all that. And this is the hardest period right here is that transition period. Amen. Amen. And what happens is people wind up reading about all these events. And then they want to take all Paul's books. They want to take Hebrews. They want to take Revelation. They want to take all this stuff. And then they want to read it back in over to here. You're, you're in a heap of trouble. When you start not placing the Bible where it belongs and understanding where it goes and the things that happen. Amen. There's three parts to the first resurrection. There's seven resurrections in your Bible. Christ rose from the dead. Did he or did he not? Yes. Right? That's a resurrection. That's a rapture. And then he ascended up 40 days after that. Did he or did he not? Right? And then 10 days later, the Spirit of God comes down. Right? Am I out of line? That's the day of Pentecost. 50 days after, right? And then in that period of time, Many of the saints which slept arose and went unto the city and appeared unto many. And in that process of time when Christ arose, there was a place called Abraham's bosom that a multitude of people were in a holding tank until the payment for sins was done. The lamb, they had a lamb, but the lamb showed up. And what they put their faith in, and their faith in works was a credit card system that put their uh, redemption on layaway. And they could not go to the third heaven until the blood was shed and placed on the altar up there and on the throne of the mercy seat. You understand? They were in waiting. 
But he paid for the sins according to Romans chapter 3, verse 25, for the sins of the past. Oh, Jesus dies, goes down here to hell, drops off our sins into hell, preaches to the spirits that are down there, and he leads the captivity captive. And many of the saints which slept arose. Went into the city, had a bodily resurrection, appeared on the many. That's Christ the first fruits. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21, 22, and 23. You understand? You with me? Then there's another part called Christ, they that are Christ at the, His coming. There's a group of people going out with Christ when He calls them back. Song of Solomon chapter number 2 has it happening late summer or late spring. Amen. Just before summer. This next coming year, June 16th, is when Pentecost is. And those dates for Pentecost, according to our calendar, not God's calendar, but our calendar is June 11th through the 13th. That's the week of Pentecost. Amen for 2016. Will God honor that, recognize that? I got probably no doubt that He won't recognize our dates. Amen? He's, not gonna, he's running by His calendar, not ours. Amen? But I'll tell you one thing, when you read uh, Romans chapter 11 and you're dealing with Israel, he said he put Israel aside temporarily, right? And he said when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then God's going to send a deliverer. you got to understand the fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. Every dispensation ends in apostasy. Every, end of, every dispensation ends in judgment. Hello? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Everyone, even the millennial, even the Lord's kingdom ends in apostasy where nations and people reject Him when Satan's loosed out of a bottomless pit. Amen. And fire comes down from heaven and devours them. You got people being born in the millennium that ain't regenerated, ain't born again, and they live by faith uh, or sight, uh, and uh, they have to do works. And if they don't want to honor and do the works that God tells them to do, guess what? Judgment comes, they get bound hand and foot and cast in a lake of fire that's alive and burning during the millennial reign. You understand? And so we got to understand these things, what's happening, and everybody's messing all these times up, period. But there's Christ of first fruits, that's the harvest. You got first fruits, you got harvest, then you got gleanings. Gleanings is the trib saints. You got Old Testament saints going up, you got New Testament church age saints going up, then you got tribulation saints. You understand? There's three parts of the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he when he says over here in Revelation chapter 20, a thousand year period of time, he says it six times in the book of Revelation. Blessed and holy is he is that part in the first resurrection. There's three parts. Then what happens over here? What resurrection's right there? Second resurrection, right? And that's of the dead. Amen. How do they get raised up? <laughs> Heaven and earth vanish away, according to Revelation 20, right? There's an explosion. There's a big bang out in the future. Not in the past, but out in the future. And heaven and earth flee. And the dead gave up, or the death and hell gave up the dead which were in it. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And all of a sudden, all these people were coughed up before a great white throne. And they're standing on nothing. The Bible said there was found no place for them. There's a resurrection coming. And you've got to be able to put John chapter 5 in its proper context because what happened is when Jesus was talking and Jesus is preaching, this whole period of time is not even in the picture. When Jesus is preaching and he dies, this is the picture. 
And he's telling you, guess what? There's coming a kingdom. There's coming this period of time here, right? When Jesus is preaching. And he says, the saints are going to be raptured. First resurrection. And the second resurrection is going to be the resurrection of the dead. We don't get the revelation that there's three parts to the first resurrection until God puts all this out in the future, saves a man in Acts chapter number 9, takes him out to Mount Sinai, gives him revelations, and he begins to write books to the church. Do we understand there's three parts to the first resurrection? You don't get that through the Gospel of John. And so what happens is people read the Gospel of John, they go, wait a minute, there's resurrection of the dead, resurrection of life, amen, and, and, and we see that there's a kingdom coming, and that's all they see, one judgment. You're only going to see this judgment over here. Amen. If you take it the way it should have been, when Jesus was preaching here, he's 10 years away from the kingdom. This was totally not there. And people got to understand that God pushed all that stuff out in the front and turned around and slipped in a 2,000 year church age. Amen. And if you don't get that, you're never going to be able to understand John. You're never going to be able to understand Matthew, Acts, and Amen, and Hebrews. You're not going to understand all that. That God, in His grace, put a parenthesis, a parenthetical place in there, slipped in a church to give us Gentiles an opportunity to provoke that Jew to jealousy. You don't get that if you don't know the seven mysteries because preachers don't preach them. They don't understand what God's doing. And so when God saves Paul, he gives us 13 other books, amen, that explain and deal with this period of time. And so many people just, they're just coming and going, they're flying, amen. They're so mixed up, they're like a, a, a bunch of fruit in a blender. They can't make heads or tails. They can't make a distinction if they're up or down, in or out. They don't know how to put the pieces together because when their preachers go to Bible college, they don't know. And the professors are teaching them, they don't know. You say, why don't they know? Because they don't get alone with God and pray and seek His face. The average preacher runs to a bookstore, goes gets books written by some other man, and they preach those books and they ain't alone with God. They don't try to piece it together. They make basic assumptions. You know how many independent Baptist preachers laugh at this? And they're going to Bible colleges. Larkin gave him some hints. Schofield gave him some hints. Ruckman can give him some hints. But his wife left him, so they throw Ruckman in a trash can. What a numbskull. You understand? I wonder if these guys would take his works before he was divorced. Hello? They got an issue that his wife left him. He was trying to reconcile his marriage. He did all he could to reconcile his marriage. And an unjust judge granted him a divorce. So we take everything that Ruckman was preaching and teaching before then. Would they accept that? They ain't going to accept that. They, 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 throw the, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're not going to accept truth, no matter who it's from. Bible truth Bible truth, regardless of how a man lives his life. You understand? Amen. God gives us light. God shows us some things. But I want to show you some things that uh, we've, we've been dealing with this thing about September 23rd. Guess what? We're still here. Hello. What's today's date? The 27th? Tomorrow's supposed to be the fourth blood moon, isn't it? That's not the blood moon of Revelation chapter number 6 and Acts chapter number 2 and Joel. Hello. There was four blood moons. Those are prophetic warnings maybe from God to let you know something big's coming. 
But we're placing all our faith in scientists and, and scientists that's got telescopes and some meteor is supposed to come and hit us and some planet X is supposed to hit us. And uh, they're all trying to fit the Bible to some of these scientific uh, discoveries that we have out there. And they're crazy. You can't make the Bible fit your little scheme of, of, of Bible truth. Amen. And that's what men are trying to do. Listen, instead of we need to line our life up to the Bible truth and understand what God's saying. There is going to be a rapture calling out of the saints, regardless of what anybody says. And you got people all over the place saying there's no such thing as a rapture going to happen. Well, you can call it whatever you want. There's three parts of the first resurrection, and a rapture is a resurrection of church saints. The resurrection is a Bible word, isn't it? And then the revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation 1 through Revelation 22, is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And John the Apostle was given the liberty to write the Revelation. And in the Revelation, he comes back four times minimum. Revelation 6, Revelation 14, Revelation 16, Revelation 17, and Revelation 19. Amen. Hello. <laughs> so how do you line that up chronologically? Jesus makes five appearances. You understand what I'm saying? He's coming back. And he makes a, a, an appearance. And the rightly divided, I was looking at a bunch of things in Revelation today, and I, I was still scratching my head. Because the way things are worded and the way it's laid out, there's some difficult stuff. But I want to I call your attention to something, and I, I can't draw. Will you forgive me? Okay. Amen. There's a, there's a, this is a three and a half year period. We got that nailed down, don't we? Let's go to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 11. Daniel says there's times, times, and half a times. And so we understand all that. But the book of Revelation, chapter 11, there's something that everybody's got to understand and what people are trying to get to now. A friend of mine called me the other day and a preacher's preaching that the rapture of the church is going to take place and then there's going to be a 40-year gap before Daniel's 7th week starts. There's nowhere that's in the scriptures. That's just men trying to reconcile dates through the scriptures. That's not pictured anywhere. Was there a transition period here? Yes. Could there be a transition period here? Yes. Could there be a transition period here? Yes. I, I'm just trying to tell you, there's a, you have to go from one to the other. Matthew is a transition from, amen, Old Testament, New Testament, from Israel to the church. Amen. Acts is from Israel to the church, and Hebrews is from the church back to the, the, the tribulation period of time. And you gotta, they got to understand that, and people don't understand those things. But Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and an angel stood, saying, Rise and measure what? Does God have a temple today? No, he don't have a physical earthly temple. It was destroyed in 70 A.D., right? Solomon's temple was destroyed and Herod's temple was destroyed, right? All of a sudden, now here's a temple in the book of Revelation. So somewhere in the tribulation here, there's a temple, right? Amen. And then there's going to be another temple right here. The Lord's going to build one. And he's going to build it according to Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. But there's a temple right here. I don't know how to draw. I wish I knew how to draw. Amen. But there's a temple. And somewhere people are going to come in and worship at that temple. I'm sorry I can't draw. But there's a building there. You understand? And that building, amen, is going to be shaped like the tabernacle. You say, how? It's going to have a most holy place. 
You understand? And it's going to have a throne in that thing. It's going to have a mercy seat. And Antichrist is going to sit upon that seat and declare that he's God. And in here, the holy place, the holy place, amen, the, they're, they're going to wind up putting an image. Hello? And he's holding up his hand and he's giving you the peace sign. Hello? And we'll put this out for the, the Pope. He's wearing a dress. Amen? I put britches on him, but he's wearing a dress. It's an image, and he's got legs, and he's got ten toes, right? There's an image onto the beast, and he's got a patch over his eye. He's got one eye, like a cyclops. He gets slain. Somebody hits him with a sword, and he gets hit over the eye, and he throws his arm up. He gets hit over his arm, and according to Revelation over there, 13, the beast, the false prophet, raises up the first beast. You understand? But I want you to see something. That there's got to be a temple. And he calls it the temple of God. There has to be a temple. You have to understand that. Is that built today? Huh? It's not built today. According to Dr. Ruckman in his Thessalonians book, he says that Israel could resurrect a tent like the tabernacle tent and have it resurrected in a couple days. And it was called a temple. And I don't have the cross references with me, but the Old Testament tabernacle at one time was called a temple. Amen. There's a reference to that. So they could technically call a tent. But they're trying right now, I was looking up references, they're trying right now to build a temple on Temple Mount. And there's two mosques on there, isn't there? And they're wanting to at least get rid of one of them. But they're wanting to put that on there. And they're, they're trying really hard to get it going. There's going to be a temple built at the beginning of the tribulation. Because we have this thing down. Amen? We have this thing down. Three and a half years, 42 months, right? Amen? I want you to see something. Revelation 2, or 11, verse 2. And the court which was written without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, amen, and the holy city, and they shall trot it underfoot how long? Forty and two months. Gentiles, amen, trod. What are they trod? There's a court. There's a court out here around that temple. You know what they do? They trod that thing under for 42 months. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years, right? 42 months. The Gentiles are going to trod that thing under how long? That's three and a half years. It's got to be built. They got to have a court. They got to trot it under. Amen. Verse two or three. And I'll give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy how long? A thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. So now it's twelve hundred and sixty days. Amen. What do you have? Amen. I'll draw a crooked staff, and then I'll draw a set of ten commandments there, and then I'll put a man here with a beard. Amen. A little smiley face. And he's standing here in his robe. Amen. Then you got another witness over here. And these men got beards and eyeballs, right? And that's Elijah. And he's rough. He's, he's rough. But you got two witnesses, right? Who are those two witnesses? Moses and Elijah. Those two guys are showing up. And they're going to last 42 months, three and a half years. 
But there's a lot of activity still got to transpire here to get us there. Does it or does it not? Amen. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child, who is a rule of the nations with a rod of iron. That happens over here. Right? Jesus Christ could rule the nations with a rod of iron there. Amen? And the child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, and she was placed, uh, and she had a place prepared of God, and they should feed her a thousand two hundred and three score days. Twelve hundred and sixty days, Israel's going to be supernaturally sustained. Amen? She's going to be fed by God. Hello? How long? 1260 days. So the last half of the tribulation, Israel is under supernatural protection of God. Right? right. Where's this place at? I believe it's Sela Petra. Amen? Do you see what Bible revelation you just got right there? That's what I'm saying. You see you got a revelation? Amen. 69 times in the book of Psalms, Selah comes up. One time in 1 Kings and three times in the book of Habakkuk, Selah shows up. God's giving you a little tip and a clue where he's going to protect Israel from. And every time you see Selah in the, in the book of Psalms, you're dealing with a second advent passage. You're dealing with something that's dealing with this period of time. Right through here. Woo! Hello? Amen? Amen. Now the Bible's beginning to open up a little bit more, isn't it? You know where Selah Petra's at? You got Israel. Amen? And Israel's kind of shaped like this. And you got the Mediterranean Sea over here, right? And then Israel comes down and it's shaped like this. And you got Egypt over here, right? And this is Israel. You got the Sea of Galilee. And then you got the Dead Sea, right? You got Jordan River and you got Jordan. And Selah is down over here. She's in Jordan. God's going to force them out of what we call, amen, what do we call that? We call that the West Bank. And the city of Jerusalem is going to be cut right in half. And the whole focus of your whole Bible is coming down right there to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. Not just Israel, but Jerusalem. Amen. And somewhere over here you got the Gaza Strip. And then up here you got the Golan Heights and all kinds of different... I can't draw good maps. I'm just trying to give you a general reference that Selah is just outside the boundaries of Israel. They're wanting to create a Palestinian state put them here in the West Bank. Amen. They're going to force all these Jews out. Hello. And most of them is going to come down here. And God's got a place supernaturally prepared for them. And a dragon opens up his mouth and out comes a water. A river of water comes out. A flood comes out after them. And God supernaturally opens up the ground. And the ground helps the woman. And the woman flees for 42 months. 1260 days. Watch this. Verse... Uh, 14, and the woman, there were given to her two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into a place where she is nourished for a time, times and half a time from the face of who? The serpent. So somewhere in here, Israel, amen, is betrayed by the Antichrist. Amen. 
The Antichrist shows up, and somewhere he betrays her right in that period of time. Hello? Revelation 13. Revelation 13. Verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads that were wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, and gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, a great uh, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue how long? Forty and two months. That's where the man of sin becomes the son of perdition. She got the son of perdition over here. You understand? And he lasts 42 long, 42 months per edition. You understand? That happens when he's slain. Where's he slain? He's slain somewhere in this period of time. Here he's called the man of sin. He's going to be revealed. Somewhere in that process of time, he gets a blow. He dies. He becomes the idle shepherd. And somewhere when the dragon gives him his power and he's resurrected, he lasts 42 months as the son of perdition. And he's against the dragon, or against Israel, and forces her into the field, amen, in some hiding place, right? For how long? 42 months. All this stuff is happening, and it's adding up to 42 months. And then look at what it says. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell uh, in heaven and was given on him to make war with who? The saints. The saints. That's not, that's not church people. No. That's trib saints. You said, who's those saints? Read Revelation 7. There's a multitude out there, right? That's saved out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And you know what happens? They wind up getting their heads cut off. They die. How? Revelation 6, they get their head cut off. Hello? That's not Israel. That's not just a remnant. That's not just 144,000 getting saved. you got 144,000 evangelists that's going around the world preaching. And these people, he makes war with them that won't receive his mark that he issues before the chapter's over with. Look at what it says. Over able to overcome the saints and overcome them and powers given uh, him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. He's a world ruler. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man hear, let him hear. How come he left out what the Spirit saved to the churches? church ain't there. The church of the body of Christ is gone. She's up here being judged by the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Those are trip saints we're talking about right there. You understand? They get their head cut off. They wind up singing Revelation 15 to him, the ones that got victory over the beast and over his mark. Hello? It's not just Jews. It's people out of every nation, kindred and tongue. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killed with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Faith and works. Trip salvation. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And uh, we could go into all that. And then they got a mark they take in their hand. And you got the mark of the beast and everything. When's all that transpiring? The second half of the trip. 
So you got a lot of things that's got to transpire here in the church age before all this even begins. You got to have a temple. There's got to be a man of sin that comes up. There's got to be where he has a false kingdom. According to Daniel chapter number 9. I've been misquoting this thing. I want you to go to Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter number 9. It's amazing when you read the Bible and get a little bit of patience. God will reveal you even your foolish mistakes you make. Daniel chapter number 9. Verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off and not for himself, right? And the people of the prince shall come, and the people of the prince that shall come shall, be, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So somewhere, somebody's coming to destroy the sanctuary. Who? The people of the prince. Who's the prince? Maybe it's the man of sin who's going to come in before he's recognized as the son of perdition. They're going to wind up destroying something. You understand? Watch this. And the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the war, or to the end of the war, right? Desolations are determined. And I kept calling it the war of desolations. The Bible doesn't call it the war of desolations. It says unto the end of the war, and then it says desolations are determined. So there's a whole lot of desolation. There's a whole lot of destruction planned for the earth and the world and the people at this time. But there's going to be a war, which I believe World War III, which helps establish the man of sin. Amen. Which helps establish Israel now having a temple built, which is going to wind up being the world religion, connected with the world religion. Islam's not going to be it. And somehow, if the Pope's connected with it, he's got to incorporate Old Testament sacrifices and things like that, amen, into this thing. You understand? Somehow Islam's got to join in. Buddhism's got to join in. Hinduism's got to join in. Because true Bible-believing Christianity is gone. And somehow Mormonisms, they got a temple. They're going to accept all this stuff. Jehovah's Witnesses are going to accept it all. They're going to think that they're all right. The Catholic Church is going to believe they're all Everybody's going to wind up. Somehow you got to come back to where Israel, they're worshiping in Jerusalem, the world, in a one-world religion. And they wind up worshiping a man and put an image of him there in the temple. Right? And so, if Israel, they build that temple over here, somehow Israel is recognized and the Sabbath comes back in. Right? So they're recognizing Old Testament doctrine, aren't they? And guess what? They got sacrifices again. Where are they getting that from? They're getting it from the Old Testament. Somehow the Old Testament's got to come back in a prominent place in world religion. And somehow the Jews got to wind up, listen, they, their Messiah's here and they say, we do it all the time. And this man creates and builds them a temple. This man winds up recognizing the Sabbath. This man winds up having animal sacrifices again. And in the middle of the tribulation, amen, he winds up killing the Jew. Human sacrifice. Let's look at that. Isaiah chapter number 6. That's when they realize they're betrayed is when he now lures them into his snare, amen, and begins to kill them. 
Then they realize they've been deceived. They realize they've been sold to Mickey. Amen. They realize that they've been conned. And they didn't realize they, they, they didn't accept the true Messiah. It's a fake. Amen. They've been deceived. And that's when they wind up running to see the Petra. But before that happens, these sacrifices got to be going on. Somehow Israel's got to come to that place of prominence to where a world religion is set up around Israel. What's going to make the world accept a Sabbath day? You know, all these seven-day Adventists want to talk about the Antichrist being the Pope and the Pope coming in being the Antichrist. And what he's going to do is he's going to change Saturday Sabbath to Sunday worship. Amen. But he's telling Israel they've got to recognize the Sabbath. Does Israel recognize the Sabbath today? Look at what's happening over here. Isaiah 6, verse 13. But yet in it shall be who? A tenth. And it shall return and shall be what? Eaten. As a teal tree, as an oak, whose substance is in them, and they shall cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. A tenth, that remnant. They're going to be the substance. They're what's going to be eaten. Ho, oh, Zechariah 13. Zechariah 13. There's some things that's got to transpire. And somehow the Sabbath has got to be established for that Jew. Amen. And somehow these sacrifices got to be established. The sanctuary has got to be established. Right? He keeps talking about the cleansing of the sanctuary. The sanctuary has to be there. Is that going on today? Then how can we have anything to be cleansed? Right. Zephaniah don't work. <laughs> Zechariah. Verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be what? Okay. Cut off and die. A third of them is going to be wiped out. He's going to eat a tenth of them and a third of these two-thirds a tenth of these two-thirds will be eaten. Amen? And then what? Verse 9. I will bring a third part through the fire. Listen, a third part's going to come down here. Two-thirds will be cut off. And of those two-thirds, a tenth of those are going to be eaten. Amen? They're going to go from animal sacrifice to human sacrifice. Now, the Pope does do this, doesn't he? Every day that he performs a mass, he claims he's eating flesh and drinking literal blood. He's a cannibal. Cannibalism will be established. And there will be people, according to a bunch of places in the scripture, that the things, the times are going to get so hard, they're going to be eating one another. They ate children in the Old Testament. They ate each other in the Old Testament. Right? Stephen in Acts chapter number 7, they lashed out on him, began to bite on him. You get so hungry, you might kill your neighbor and eat him. Hello? Right? You get hungry? Hello? Little kid, they'll say, hey man, let's cook your kid, man. Let's boil him, we'll eat him. Break out the A1 sauce. Hello, I'm telling you, that's what they'll do. Because you know why? These people ain't got no stinking heart, man. They're so blackened and dark and deceived. Amen. They don't value life at all. And that's what the devil's been pumping through all our schools and education, that there is no such thing as a sanctity of life. Just kill and butcher babies. Amen. But save a puppy. Right? Kill, kill and butcher people. Just euthanize them. Who cares if somebody's got cerebral palsy? No good to America. No good to the world. We can't help them. Kill them. 
Kill the retards. Kill the ugly. That's what Hitler wanted to do, right? Kill the inferior race. Wipe them out. People ain't got no regard for life. It's dog eat dog. That's evolution, man. Yeah, he was. But I'm just trying to tell you that, listen, that's the way men are so depraved and it's so dark out there in this wicked world that the, the depravity of man is going to come to the fool in the tribulation. But this stuff, this temple's got to be built. The sanctuary's got to get cleansed somehow. Look at Daniel. Book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 8. Look at what it says, verse 11. Yea, and he magnified himself, even the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifices was taken away. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of the transgression. It was cast down the truth to the ground. And it practiced and it prospered. And then I heard one saint speaking to another saint. Said unto that certain saint which spake, How long? Uh, shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both to the sanctuary and the host to trodden underfoot. And he answered unto me and said, A thousand or two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. That's twenty three hundred days. You know how long that is? 6.38 years. You want to know something? That sanctuary's got to be built. Yeah. Is it built yet? There are a lot of people dismissing that, but that sanctuary's got to be there. And it's got to be cleansed because it's going to be defiled. Right? It's going to be defiled by a man sitting in there. It's going to be defiled by... The abomination of desolation standing there is going to be defiled by what they sacrificed there. And God calls this his temple. But he doesn't build it. But somehow it becomes his temple. Somehow it becomes his sanctuary. Somehow God's taking, amen, uh, acknowledgement that that thing's his. Because it's in his city. And it's there with his people. Amen. One of the key elements, this whole thing about the end, is going to be this temple. I'm sorry I can't draw it. I wish I could draw one. You understand? But there's a temple there. And uh, God's going to come back and build his own temple. I don't think he uses the Antichrist's temple. I don't think he just goes in and washes it down. And then I believe he builds him a new temple. Because the temple that looks like what they're building over there in Revelation 11 is not going to be what is over there in Ezekiel. And I guarantee you when the, when the earthquake hits, the Dome of the Rock will not be there when he builds something. You understand? And a tenth of the city falls. <laughs> There's a lot of things that's going to transpire in these earthquakes that's happening. Amen? And so, we listen, there's a lot of things that's going on. You have a peace covenant which is false peace. You have a temple built. You have animal sacrifices. You have uh, the end of the war there. You got Old Testament things coming back into play. You have a military police state and a dictatorship worldwide. You have a one world unified religion of one faith. The son of perdition is going to be the head of it. And the bottom line, you know what this whole period of time is considered to be? Judgment. 
Some people might not want to call it Daniel's 70th week. Some people may not want to call it, but the attribute of God for this period of time is called judgment. He judges the Gentiles. He judges the Jew. He judges the Antichrist. He judges the nations. Listen, this thing is judgment, pure, raw judgment. What's God's attribute in this dispensation? Grace. What's God's attribute in the millennium? Righteousness. God displays. Amen. You get back here under the law. What was God's, under the law, what was his attribute? Holiness. Right? Amen. Holiness unto the Lord. Right? God was holy. And the law is holy and it's just. Right? And it's spiritual. But man couldn't keep it. And so when men break it, they face God's what? Wrath. But this is a period of time called judgment. This is God's attribute on this dispensation. And at the end of it, according to Isaiah 24, 25, 26, 27, his judgments are poured out and his punishments are poured out on the host of the high ones, upon the, the people, the, upon Israel, upon the Gentiles, and upon the serpent. How's the serpent get judged here at the end? He's bound. Hand and foot cast in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Then he's loose for a little season. And then he goes to the lake of fire, Revelation 20, verse 10. Right? Where's the false, false prophet and the beast go? They go to the lake of fire. And they go there and they burn for a thousand years while Satan's in a bottomless pit. And then he's cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. Judgment. Judgment on the beast. Judgment on the false prophet. Judgment on Satan. Right? It's judgment, judgment, judgments. Then you have judgments upon the nations, and then here you'll have the judgment of nations, Matthew 25. It's not got nothing to do with the church. Matthew 25 has nothing to do with the church. You said, well, it's written after uh, it's written after a time when Jesus said it's going to be the end. Tribulation shows up Matthew 24, and then Matthew 25. Where are we at? You're dealing with the kingdom of heaven. See, Matthew 25 is over here, the kingdom of heaven, 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 kingdom of heaven. Right? People got to learn to rightly divide that. But they don't want to rightly divide it. And one of the biggest problems that people have in their Bible is it's not all chronological. God does use chronological things, and then he reverses order, changes order. And then he'll go back being chronological on some things, and then he changes order and does some different things. Sometimes God will put some things like Ezekiel 38, 39. He'll put 39 first and 38 last. He mixes things up, changes it all up. Why? See if you're going to study. And then see if you're going to check them out. But what we're talking about is the end time, the main things that's going to happen here. And the main focus is going to be the last three and a half years. And so if I'm not mistaken, there's a bunch of people who don't even believe this period of time is even going to exist, that it's only this. So now they're shortening it all down and condensing it all down, and they're forgetting here that there's a mock kingdom, a mock millennium, and somehow the Antichrist or the man of sin must deliver Israel, amen, from her enemies coming up against her. And then she accepts her Messiah. How she? This guy just gonna walk in, Amen, with a white robe, walk up to Israel and say, "Hey, guess what? I'm I'm your king. Accept me." No. They gonna recognize any world ruler today that's just gonna walk up to them and say, "Hey, Habas, uh, you come over here, and Israel, you come over here, and we're just gonna make you guys hold hands together, sign, I'll sign, you sign, and we all just love one another." And then Israel just falls down, begins to worship the guy, say, "You made peace with us." Woohoo! 
Ain't going to happen that way, but that's the way a lot of people believe it's going to happen. Somehow the Pope's going to go to the UN, he's going to come over here to the United States, he's going to sign a piece of paper, and this is going to bow down and worship him as their Messiah. But what's that man, what's that fornicating liquor head going to do? What's he going to do? He's got to do something. Israel's got to be delivered. How's he going to deliver Israel? There's got to be a war. There's got to be something that transpires to where a person shows up that solves Israel's problem against their enemies. Right? It has to. These men ain't just going to walk in a cigar-filled room, amen, sipping on Jack Daniels and sign a piece of paper and Israel said, my Messiah showed up. He's got to come in meek and lowly riding upon the fold of an ass. Listen, he's got to come in on a white stallion. He's got to deliver them. And if he's a man of war, then doesn't it make sense that this man has a war and ends the problems with Israel and her enemies and they accept him to be the deliverer? There's got to be a war. There's got to be people come up against Israel. They've got to feel that this man is their Messiah. Guess what's got to be accompanied with him? Guess what's got to be accompanied with him? Pardon? A false prophet, but signs and wonders. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 16, three spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the beast, the mouth of the false prophet, and, and the mouth of the, of the dragon, right? And they, they are spirits of devils working miracles. And the miracle working ministry kicks off in full blown, amen, and, and Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Hagen and all them guys, they're just counterfeits preparing people to accept the magic show. And this guy, the false prophet, is going to call down fire out of heaven. Right? He's going he's gonna to do wonders. He's going to make this image speak. The magic show. The power. That's what's going to help convince the world that this guy's it. He can do hocus pocus and it happens. Somehow this guy's got to have supernatural powers that, that Israel accepts this guy. Amen. And the beast is going to, or the false prophet is going to put power and do things to convince that this guy's right. Who's the false prophet? He's the Antichrist sidekick. They're representing this. But then the real two witnesses show up in sackcloth. How in world God's name can those two men, Elijah and Moses, running around in sackcloth be God's men? They look like a bunch of hicks that just come out of the woods. They don't dress in a nice, beautiful white robe like the Pope and the Cardinals with their robes and their red sachets or whatever you call that thing. Their religion, you look at all the religions of the world, they're decked out in gorgeous apparel. Up steps God's two men and they got sackcloth on, burlap sacks, big old giant burly beards. Amen. Elijah uh, probably got a locust in his mouth like John the Baptist did and he's got a staff. Hello. And these men, how do you know they're God's men? They breathe out fire and it consumes their enemies and nobody can touch them until the beast comes up out of the bottomless pit. Amen. Makes war with them and kills them. Then the whole world parties and celebrates. And they buy presents one for another. I'll give you something else about this EMP thing that everybody's threatening America with. This EMP, electronic magnetic pulse. They said somehow somebody's got to set this bomb off and it's going to destroy all our uh, computers. It's going to destroy all the computers in our cars and our phones and all this other kind of stuff. Well, then how does the whole world see what's going on over here if all the electronics are shot? 
<laughs> Hello. Right? If somebody drops off an EMP, listen, Apple and, and uh, a bunch of these people would have to be busy making all new phones and Samsung and everybody, and they're going to have to wind up somehow after the electronic medic pulse goes through. And if, and if it's connected with what? A microchip? And we lose all our electronics, what good's a microchip? Right? If you got to go in and you got to have your hand scanned, your eyes scanned, amen, to determine whether you can buy or sell, and we lose all our electronic technology, our ATMs are shot, our banks are shot, our computers are shot, our phones are shot, then how in the world can this system be set up? You got to be able to have the electronics going. Listen, what good, why would the devil want to drop an EMP if he plans on controlling everybody through a, mech, mech, a chip? If it's no good if they drop an electro, uh, EMP, electronic magnetic pulse. I'm not saying Russia or somebody might not drop a bomb on us. I'm not saying ISIS may drop a bomb on us and a nuke may go off. Hello? <laughs> Who's to say with all this new stuff with Cuba that Russia might not come in and pop a little nuke over there? Amen? Who's to say that stuff won't happen? Right? right. It may all happen. So we got to be careful, right? Right. Amen.